Hi, I'm Brett Johnson, former United States Most Wanted cyber criminal, now good guy. And this is the Anglerfish Podcast. Okay, so before we begin, today's episode has adult subject matter. Pay attention. I'm not just saying that bullshit. Today's episode has adult subject matter. Yes, I know. I'm often very colorful with my language. But believe you me, today's episode has adult subject matter. You got anybody out there that says you 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 don't want to listen to it? You better not tune in today. That being said, let's hit the road. Start this episode. Oh, I made a rhyme, wrote an episode. (laughs) Okay, so here's the deal. So before we begin, I just wanted to say one more time. Now, listen to me, listen to me. Today's episode is adult-oriented. Just pay attention now. I just told you a second ago, today's episode's adult-oriented. So pay attention, pay attention. You got any little boys and girls running around here? You know, they like to listen to Brett rattle on a bit. You might want, you might want to say, hey, not today, sweetie. Go out there and play in traffic for a while. So just say it. Just say it. Okay, so we're back. Where to even begin? Right? I mean, I'm sure you've seen the title of the episode. Breddy gets a penile implant, and you've been warned that this episode has adult content. So I guess the obvious question, or the obvious question a lot of people have is, does it, does it hurt? Yeah, yeah, you're goddamn right it hurts. It hurts horribly. To give you an idea, to give you an idea, here I was, I, 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 the day of the operation, nurse comes in. And she's, you know, I'm, I'm nervous. Man, am I nervous. I'm stressed. I'm nervous. I'm like, whew. This is a really, really bad idea. And she looks at me and she's like, did you watch any videos of the surgery on YouTube? And I was like, absolutely not. I don't want to know what they do. So she looks at me and she's like, well, that's probably why you're nervous. And I looked at her and I said, look, I have this mental picture of a very sharp knife and someone splitting my penis open, taking a melon baller, scooping everything out, throwing two balloons in there and sewing it back up or duct taping it. And she looks at me, she's like, that's probably why you're so stressed. And I'm like, probably. So the question is, does it hurt? Yes. Yes. It's horrible. It hurts. You would not believe how, how uncomfortable it is. So why am I talking about this today? Right? I mean, that's another question. Why on earth are you talking about this stuff? This is private, Brad. You shouldn't be talking about that. And you're right. It is private. You're right. But I was, you know, I had the surgery. And it occurred to me, I was like, there's a few things going on here. The first is, this is, this is a consequence of living a lifestyle full of illegal activity. And I'll get to why. The second thing is, is that I am not the only guy who thought I could be embarrassed when I want to talk about stuff. But I am not the only guy that has ever 
had erectile dysfunction. And I am not the only guy who has ever had an implant or will ever have one. So I think maybe, you know, if you guys don't want to listen to it, turn it off, turn it off. This, uh, I'm going to talk about what happened, why it happened, and, and what, what the recovery's been like and things like that. It's, it's just not, <laughs> I know it's not, it's like, ooh, this, is, this is different for, for your show, Brad. This is a little different here, you know. <laughs> Didn't expect this on your show. But you know what? I think that it's something that needs to be talked about because this is something that affects men. And as we go on in our society, as the years goes on, it seems like erectile dysfunction gets worse and worse and the numbers keep increasing. So yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. How did, what the hell happened, Brett? Well, you know, living an illegal lifestyle comes with consequences. Who would have thought, right? I mean, certainly everyone out there can point out the obvious consequences. Well, you went to prison. Damn right I did, and I deserve to. Had a lot of victims, hurt a lot of people. I absolutely did. Absolutely did. Not only my victims, I mean, my victims were the people I stole from, but my victims were my family. My victims were my fa- uh, f- friends and family because I lied to them. I used them. I stole from people I knew, people I didn't know. Consequences. I hurt a lot of people. I hurt myself as well. I deserve to go to prison. Absolutely, I did. Absolutely. I've had a life full of bad choices and the consequences of those choices. So, I mean, you can, you can pick out this, but one of the things I think that people really don't appreciate, unless you've lived an illegal lifestyle, a criminal lifestyle, I think one of the things a lot of people don't appreciate is the amount of stress <laughs> that comes with that lifestyle. And let me tell you what, the stress is through the fucking roof. It is. Because it's not a job. It's not a job. Being a fraudster, being a criminal is not a job. It's not even a career. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's a choice that's made. You know, I I don't buy that bullshit that people are forced into. You know, I had no other choice. I had to do it. Didn't have any other choice. Nothing else I could do. No, that's a choice in and of itself. In and of itself. It took me a long time. It took me a long time to, to understand and appreciate that. But you have a choice. So when you choose to engage in a criminal lifestyle like I did, it comes with a lot of stress. And when I talk about stress, I mean, you're in an apartment, you're in a house, you see a cop just come into, just roll into the neighborhood. Whoo, buddy. <laughs> you have no idea. Because, you know, first of all, you're going to keep those blinds drawn in the front. You're going to make sure you use that people all the time, see who's out front, everything else. You see, you happen to see a cop stroll into the neighborhood or roll into the neighborhood, stress levels through the roof. You're driving down the street. You're driving down the street and you, you notice a cop swing in behind you. Oh, my God. You don't want to attract attention. You want to try to get off the road as fast as you can. Stress levels through the roof. And, and man, I, my stress levels through the roof. I mean, I had, uh, so I was running Shadow Crew. You know, we were 4,000 strong. We were starting to get pings from law enforcement, from security people, law enforcement across the planet. That, that comes with a lot of stress. A lot of stress. <laughs> I mean, a lot of stress. At the same time, my marriage fell apart. So that was stress through the roof. Then I, 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 I start dating after the marriage, after my marriage, my first wife ends. 
start dating a stripper. Well, that comes with its own stress level. So here's stress upon stress upon stress upon stress. And to top it off, I find out, find out she's addicted to cocaine. Stress through the roof. But wait, it gets worse. Not only was she addicted to coke, but she was prostituting herself to support her cocaine habit. Whoa, man. So stress. Well, guess what happens with stress? The doctor, and he's one of the top doctors in the United States for, for penile implants, he looks at me, he was like, any idea, any idea what caused your erectile dysfunction? And I looked at him and I was like, oh yeah, it's all psychological. Every bit of it. Well, I don't know if it was all, but certainly a, a good portion of it was. That's stress, man. And I remember I was, I was 30, I was in my mid-30s. And I started having performance anxiety, which basically means you're about to be intimate. And the little guy is gold bricking. He's laying down on the job. And believe you me, I would fire the little son of a bitch if I could, but he's attached. He's attached. He's not going anywhere. He's sleeping. He's like, and you're like, psh, psh, psh. look, boobies, mm, nothing, nothing. Well, here's the thing. When it happens one time, the next time you go to be intimate, you start worrying about the first time. And you're like, man, I hope that, I hope that shit doesn't happen again. Well, it usually does. And it just keeps, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It just keeps going and going and going. So of course, it's, It is crazy the lengths a man will go to to achieve an erection. It's crazy. So, of course, the first, the first stop is Viagra. All right, I've read about that, that tiny blue pill. Let's go, buddy. That'll get you up. Well, it turns out it doesn't get everyone up. It doesn't. It, I didn't work very well for me. As a matter of fact, the, the most it really ever did was give me a headache and a stuffy nose. Like I had the worst sinus issues on the planet. So start at 50 milligrams, stuffy nose, headache. Well, okay, the 50 didn't really do anything. Let's try 100. Worst stuffy nose, headache. Then you're like, well, the doctor says not to go above 100. Ah, shit, fuck it, let's go 150. No, it's, it's just, it's horrible. You start reading about what caused blindness and everything else, so... That's when it started with me, right there, the stress and everything else. Luckily, luckily, luckily I went to prison. Well, it turns out, turns out unless you're a little odd, you really don't have much need for an erection behind bars. I mean, there are times that, because you got a communal bathroom there, right? And there are times that, you know, late at night. So you got a communal bathroom, but you got separate shower stalls. So you got single, I got like six different shower stalls for single people. So sometimes you'd walk into the bathroom at night and we had this saying, two feet good, four feet bad. So if you saw four feet in the shower under the curtain, you knew and probably you didn't want to use the restroom at that point and to walk your ass right back out and wait for an hour and to come back. So you really don't have much need, unless there's something a little odd, you don't have much of a need for an erection behind the fence. So I don't have to worry about it. But I got out in 2011. Turns out that problem didn't go away. Persisted. And trying to be intimate with someone that you love or you're dating, it's difficult. Difficult. You know, when you're, when you're popping Viagra, you know, you, you t <laughs> I would take it 
So it takes about an hour, unless it's Cialis, it, you know, it takes about an hour for it to start working and hopefully it works, most of the time it didn't. But you an anticipation of the intimacy to come in the evening. And sometimes it doesn't. And then you still get the headache and stuffy nose and all that. So I got to the point, you know, 2011, I'm out. By 2014, we're, uh, you know, I violated probation. Went back to prison again, got back out. And then I start living as a legal person, doing what I'm doing now, speaking, podcast, um, consulting. So we moved to Birmingham. And I decided, you know, it's time to see what, if there's anything else out there that can be done. So I go to the urologist and... Turns out there is, it's called Trimix. So what you actually do is you, it's an injection. You give yourself a shot in the penis. First of all, there's that mental block. You want me to stick a needle, where? So once you get past that, and again, men will go to extremes. <laughs> men will go to extremes to achieve an erection. So I'm sitting there talking. I was like, this will work. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, it'll, it'll definitely work. There's no doubt about it. So I'm like, screw it. Let's go. So start taking the shots. And I absolutely, absolutely, it works like a charm. But any idea how, I mean, let's be honest. It's not, for those who have never been around somebody with, uh, with ED or have suffered from ED, you know, usually men who are who are who don't have that problem, everything's natural. You know, you you achieve it naturally. It's it's heat of the moment. It's like, oh yes, everything's great, and you, you just come by things naturally. It just happens. When it's artificial, when you have to um, take a pill or take an injection, even worse, everything stops so that you can do that. And it's, it's a jarring thing. It's, it's a truly jarring thing. So I um, started taking the injections. And in the injection, that's you know, I figured that would solve the problem. And it did. It did. I mean, it worked wonderfully. But over time, the effectiveness of the medication, of, of what you're injecting into yourself, into your penis, the effectiveness, the effectiveness of this starts to go down. So it takes more and more medicine until finally, until finally you're, you're shooting an entire syringe of this medicine into your penis. And then that doesn't work. And you're like, well, how much does it take? So you're an entire, you go back to the doctor. I went back to the doctor and he's like, well, this is the strongest stuff we've got. It's three times stronger than what you've been using. Try that. That'll, that that may do it. If that doesn't work, the next solution, the only thing left, is a penile implant. And I'm like, what is that? And that that's where they bring the melon baller out and take two balloons and stuff in you. So I'm like, let's try this medicine. So get the prescription filled. Try it. Didn't work. And it is amazing the lengths a man will go to to achieve an erection. So I called and I was like, hey, uh, book me an appointment. Let's go in and get some consultation on this implant. So go to the doctor. Uh, that, that was about two, three weeks after was the appointment. Go in and I sit down and I talk to um, Dr. Christine here in Birmingham. 
one of the top doctors on this stuff. And uh, I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea. I figured it'd be some be some guy coming in. So we're going to put an implant in you. It's going to be all right. <laughs> well, it turns out the guy was, he, he was great. He, uh, he comes in, he looks at me, sits down. He's like, uh, so what's going on? So I told him, he's like, drop your drawers. So take, take everything off. He looks at everything. He's like, uh, I think you're a good candidate for it. He said, we're going to take care of you. He said, this will work. He said, there's no way it doesn't work. And then he looks at me, he's like, so I, I spoke to the head nurse a couple weeks prior to that. And the head nurse is like, well, you know, this will work. I want you to understand you will hate us for two weeks. And then after that, everything will be fine. I'm like, so it's going to hurt for two weeks. He's like, hurt is probably an understatement. I'm like, okay. He's like, for two weeks, it's going to be bad. I'm like, all right. So I go to the doctor <laughs> and the doctor's like, so what do you know so far? And I was like, well, I know it's an implant. I know you got this pump that they put in the testicles and you, you use that to pump up the implant and it gets you erect. And from what I understand, it's going to hurt. And he was like, he was like, he looked, he looks at me. He's like, I would be lying to you if I told you it didn't hurt. He said, as a matter of fact, he said, I speak to all these conferences across the planet. And he said, I went to one conference and there was one of these doctors that stood up and says, it doesn't hurt. And he's like, it hurts. He said, I want you to understand it hurts. He said, but it's got a 95% satisfactory rate, not only for you, but for your partners. And I was like, all right. And he's like, look, man, he said, I'm not going to talk you into it. He said, sometimes I said, I don't try to talk anybody into him. He said, sometimes I uh, will tell people no. He said, but I think that you'd be a, a good candidate for it. And that's when he asked me, he's like, any idea what causes it? And I told him. And he's like, all right. He said, I think we can help you out. He said, I know we can help you out. And I looked at him and said, look, man. I said, you know as well as I do. I didn't walk in here to say no. I said, we're going to roll the dice. We're going to do this. He was like, all right. <laughs> so have the surgery scheduled. The surgery scheduled for four weeks after that go and have the surgery done so the first week let's let's backtrack i was in the hospital i was in the hospital waiting it's an outpatient surgery you go home the same day still don't understand that but you go home the same day so here i am i was stressing out to beat all hell <laughs> the, the nurse comes in she asked if i watch the videos i was like no i don't watch the videos i didn't want to know what happened she's like did no one tell you what the surgery consists of i was like no no i said nobody told me what the surgery is i have not watched any videos i don't know i said i know there's two Two balloons, basically, that go in the shaft of the penis. And she's like, yeah. So uh, then the anesthesiologist comes in. I tell him the same thing. I've got this metal picture of somebody splitting me open, taking a melon baller, scooping everything out, throwing two balloons in, <laughs> sewing me up, shipping my ass home. And he was like, yeah, you're probably stressed. And I was like, yeah, I'm probably stressed. And he's like, the doctor will be in to see you shortly. So I was like, okay. About 45 minutes later, you know, it's getting, it's getting surgery time. I'm stripped. I'm on the bed. Everything else. Doctor comes in. And he looks at me. He's like, "How you doing, Brett?" I'm like, "Man, I gotta tell you, I am nervous and stressed." And the dude, the dude did exactly what he needed to do. 
he did. He looks up and he's like, uh, he gets real serious all of a sudden because he came in in kind of a rush and everything. But he gets real serious and he looks at me. He's like, Brett, we're going to take care of you and you're going to be okay. And the way he said it, it was everything he needed to say. And you know, I was sitting there the entire time just thinking about what had caused me to be there. You know, the choices of my life that led me to the point where I had to have surgery to be intimate with somebody. Now, I joke around a lot, I do. But that is some serious shit. I mean, that is, that's some serious stuff right there. So they, uh, they wheel me out, wheel me into the, uh, into the OR. And I don't remember anything until I woke up. I just remember that day before I was in there, just this, uh, just this profound sense of loss. Just this, just this profound, profound sense of just, what am I doing? Is this what it's come to? So I wake up. They send you home the same day. Send you home, you're bandaged up. Bandaged up and swollen up. <laughs> so... Sent me home, they gave, they gave me Norco, which uh, I am not a druggie. I am not, but I am a firm believer that if a doctor gives you pain medication, by God, you take it. And I was not about to go through any pain. So they sent me home. Uh, I slept. Uh, I've got two stepsons. I ran one of my stepsons out of his bedroom. I asked him if I could sleep in his bed because I needed that bed to sleep in, you know, without being disturbed. I don't want the animals because we got a couple of dogs, a couple of cats. Didn't want them. I thought it would be a bad thing because I'm like the animal whisperer at the house. All the animals gravitate to me, and I thought it would be a very bad thing if they jumped on me because they're wont to do that every now and then. So I figured I needed someplace I could shut myself off. My stepson, he was like, absolutely, absolutely. I was like, thank you so much. So uh, get home, and you know, the first uh, first week, I'm I'm literally laying in bed. The doctor had said, hey, for I don't want you doing anything for a week except laying flat, only getting up to use the bathroom. I was like, okay. So the first week, I'm laying there flat, getting up to use the bathroom. Or to, uh, I finally got to shower after, I think, two or three days, something like that. Turns out using the bathroom. So this is, this is the stuff about the surgery that people might want to know. So when you leave the hospital, you leave the hospital with your penis somewhat erect. It's already pumped up to a degree. I guess they do that so you don't have atrophy or something like that. But guess what? Using the bathroom like that, it's not like, it's not like you can point the little feller down toward the toilet. And it's certainly not like you can sit on the toilet and put it down in there. No, because first of all, the damn thing is swollen five to six times normal size. 
and it's erect. So it's like, it's like, what do you do? So they give you this urinal, this plastic urinal. So literally I would, I would have to urinate into the urinal and then dump it out. Well, you know, the urinal, the thing won't fit in the opening of the urinal. So it's like, oh my God, it's, it's kind of going everywhere. So I got to the point that I would step into the shower and go like that and then dump it out from there. The amount of pain, oh yeah. So living on Norco, passing out, sleeping as much as possible, playing some video games when you're awake, watching a movie, things like that. And that was the first week. After the first week, I'm up and on the couch basically for another week. You know, I was able to walk around a little bit more. Swelling, discomfort, um, they give you the Norco for the first week. Then after that, you're kind of on ibuprofen and stuff. But, you know, the thing is, is that uh, walking was horrible and, and sitting up for any length of time. So I got so worried. So it starts out, you've got ice packs on, on 15 minutes, off 15 minutes. All right, that is for the first four or five days, something like that, or three days, something like that, then you're supposed to switch to heat. Well, I didn't, you know, no one had really coached me on what to expect from the surgery. So here I'm, I'm seeing this swollen thing because you take the bandages off in three days. So you see everything is just, you're like, okay. Well, you know, you got ice on and I, you expect the swelling to go down. Ice is supposed to get the swelling down. Then they say to switch to heat. Well, whoever heard about putting heat on something to get swelling to go down. So I'm calling the doctor. I'm like, hey, man, swollen, unbelievably big. You sure you want me to put heat on that? So I got to speak to the nurse. The nurse is like, yes, heat. Stop with the ice immediately. Put heat on. So started putting heat on. Heat felt good on it, but uh, still swollen and everything. And <laughs> took about uh, after about seven days, there was a noticeable decrease in the swelling. So I don't have a doctor's appointment for four weeks after surgery. That's the, that's the follow-up appointment. So of course for four weeks, and, and I'm right now at about this, this video is made, this podcast is made about five weeks post-surgery. Let me tell you, there's still swelling. There's still a lot of discomfort, everything else. So yeah. So the thing is, is that the doctor, you know, he, he was telling me, hey, well, you can lift, you can lift weights because I lift weights. He's like, oh, you, you can lift weights three weeks after surgery. Absolutely no restrictions whatsoever. No, that's a damn lie. You're not going to want to lift weights three weeks. Turns out that, you know, laying flat, everything kind of settles down. Some of the swelling goes down. You start sitting up like I'm sitting up right now after this recording, after this recording, I will go and lay down on the sofa, grab a heating pad, put on because I'm in a lot of discomfort still to this day. So I go to, uh, I go to my follow-up appointment. A nurse comes in. She's like, well, we're going to show you how to use it today. And I was like, okay. She's like, how's things going? And I'm like, well, to be honest with you, I'm still in the phase where I'm hoping everyone here dies. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, I'm not taking it out on you. I said, I, you know, I'm just wanting you to know it's still a lot of discomfort, still got a lot of swelling. So the swelling was around the glands. I'm not going to start talking, you know, a lot of, a lot of graphic stuff, but around the, the head. And I was like, hey, uh, that's the discomfort. That's what's hurting. When does that swelling go away? I said, that's really the only thing that hurts right now is just that. And she was like, well, when we see it, 
I was like, well, that's not good. She's like, when we see it, it usually takes a month to two months for that swelling to go away. And I was like, okay. And then she's like, we're going to pump you up. And I'm like, whoa, first of all, how much is that going to hurt? And she looks at me, she's like, well, she's like, it really depends on how much pain you've still got in your scrotum. And I'm like, well, my scrotum has never hurt me. And she was like, then you shouldn't feel a thing at all. I was like, okay. So she, I'm naked from the waist down. She grabs hold, pumps it up. Didn't feel a thing. I'm like, okay. So I look down. I was like, is that it? She's like, that's it. I'm like, okay. Not bad. So then she deflates it. And she's like, stand up. So I stand up. She's like, now it's your turn. Well, the pump is marble size and it fits in your scrotum. So you've now got basically three testicles. Yes, you're a marvel of modern science. It was bionic. I'm bionic all of a sudden. So you grab hold of it. You're supposed to try to grab the, the this little rubber ball that's in your scrotum. You grab it and you're trying to pump it. First thing is, and she tells me, she's like, make sure you don't grab your real testicle. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. But then I start trying to grab the pump that's in there. And so it's in your scrotum with all the fluid in there. And you're trying to grab hold of it. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. And you're like, ah! Until you finally get it and you get it pumped up. Then you let it go. And she was like, that's it. I was like, that's it. She's like, that's it. And I was like, so when am I cleared for intercourse? And she was like, as soon as you feel like you can, I'm like, not quite sure what that's going to be. So go home. And that, and she also says, Hey, you have to pump it up every day. And I'm like, okay, for how long? And she's like every day for the rest of your life. You it's called cycling. You pump it up and let it down. And I was like, yeah. She's like, yeah. And I was like, what about if I don't want to pump it up a day? And she's like, do you want to use it? I was like, yes. And she's like, then you pump it up every single day and let it down for the rest of your life. I was like, no one told me that either. It's like, okay, fair enough. Didn't have the surgery done not to use it. So we'll be cycling in and out every single day. So that was, uh, like I said, it's about five weeks ago. That feeling of loss, of just almost emptiness of finality of, um, you know, I said, and I was kind of, kind of half joking. The lengths a man will go to to achieve an erection, but it's more than an erection. It's that sense of intimacy. It's that sense of, uh, of being with someone. It's, it's artificial, yeah, but it's it's still that sense of being with someone. That's uh, unless you've suffered from that. It's hard to really put into words that feeling of not being able to do that. So I thought it was important. You know, this is not the normal episode, but uh, I thought it was important to talk about that because a lot of people don't understand the consequences of one's choices. You know, I had a lifetime of bad choices and bad consequences. When I started making good choices, it turns out I ended up with a lot of good consequences. You know, today I'm able to speak across the planet. I'm 
fairly well respected. I'm known to tell things the way it is, regardless of who it may upset. I tell the truth about things. I thought it was important to, uh, to talk about this because I'm not the first who's had that implant. I'm not the first who's went from Viagra or the pills to the shots and then finally, you know, you either don't have sex anymore or you have this implant. I'm not the first that's went through that routine and I won't be the last. Don't hear a lot of it talked about, but I figured it was maybe important to do that. I don't know what to think about that. I don't. I don't know what to think about that, guys. I, I, uh, part of me is happy that I had it done. Still hurts like hell. Even today, five weeks out, it still is extremely uncomfortable. I've started working out again, but it's, uh, not able to lift like I would, or, uh, you know, I go to the store and it's, it's still uncomfortable. Maybe it'll get better. It's supposed to get better. And right now, that 95% that satisfaction rate is not there. But it may get there. You know, it's just... Uh, my entire life, I've wanted to... Uh, my entire life, I've just wanted to be loved. I've wanted to make sure that uh, I could express that. I, and yeah, you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to have sex to love someone. That intimacy is damn sure important. So I don't know what to think about uh, me finally doing this. I think it's the right choice. And I'll hell. I don't know if I'll update you guys on it or not. I may. But I think it's important that I talked about it in case somebody else out there is questioning whether they should have it done. You know, it's it's a rough, rough procedure. It is. It's rough. It hurts like hell. Any doctor that tells you that it's not going to hurt, they're lying. They're lying. It's going to hurt. You're going to swell. It's going to be uncomfortable. There is a recovery. God knows there's a recovery. But I think it's, uh, I'm hoping it's worth it. I keep talking. I'm just gonna keep. I'm gonna start droning on at some point. So, I want to thank you guys for listening to me. I'm not sure how this episode will be received. I guess I'm feeling pretty vulnerable right now. But this is those consequences. Yeah, I'm Brett Johnson. Thank you for listening. Signing off on Anglerfish Podcast. Say goodbye 
credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.